This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. Let's hit it! Give me a vacation! Vacation! Give me a wave! Surfing! Give me a city tour! The trolley! Give me animals! The zoo! Give me some sea life! <laughs> Give me museums! Park. Give me a woo! What's that spell? San Diego! If you're happy and you know it, San Diego is the place to show it. Book your family vacation at san diego.org. Funded in part with the City of San Diego Tourism Marketing District Assessment Funds. I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s... She looked like a million bucks. ...scams a bunch of famous athletes out of untold fortunes... Nearly $10 million was all gone. It's just unbelievable. Hide your money in your old rich man, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see what music does to people it gives me a lot of hope if you liked locatora before you're gonna love season nine subscribe to our show and you'll see why locatora is your prima's favorite podcast listen to locatora radio as part of the michael Cultura podcast network available on the iHeartRadio app apple podcasts or wherever you get your podcasts Hello and welcome to Safer Production of iHeartRadio. I'm Annie Reese. And I'm Lauren Vogelbaum. And today we have an episode for you about pears. Yes. <laughs> it was kind of a beast to wrangle everybody. Oh, it seriously was. Like I I thought I chose this topic because I thought it was gonna be, if nothing else, straightforward um, and not too much of a bear, not too much of a bear of a pear. Uh, mm. And heck, I was wrong. I was quite incorrect. Yep. People have a lot to say about pears, and they like to really lay it on thick when it comes to the the language. Yeah. Oh, my goodness. I'm impressed. So but I was much also poetic waxing. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yes. Um, we were saying before we started recording, I don't know why we bothered to do that. We should probably yeah. just hit record. <laughs> um, but uh, yeah, it's like not since asparagus have I read so many things so intense about uh, produce. 
And you're only going to get a handful in here. There is yeah. so much out there. Yeah, these are just the ones that stuck with us. <laughs> yes. I had to make some choices. It's like, mm-hmm. we can't just have... This whole thing can't just be poems about pears that I like, <laughs> unfortunately. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I found this... I, oh, oh, my gosh. Savor side podcast, and it's just food poetry. I'm into it. <gasps> yes. Yes. Right? Okay. Okay. All right, I'm making a plan for our next side dish. Yeah. Yes. Oh, that would be so fun. (laughs) That would be so fun. Okay, so one of the things that I was surprised by is I I love a pear. I love a good pear. But I definitely did not have one until high school, college. What? Wow. Yeah. And even now, like, I love them, but I very rarely have one. Um, Okay. It's just kind of a... I don't know. They weren't a part of my household. I had a friend who was from Taiwan, and she gave me um, every Christmas. She would give me an Asian pear. Oh and it was yeah, so good. <laughs> but it was kind of that level of like they weren't it, it big in my house, so I have to go out of my way to get a pear. Huh? Interesting. Yeah. I I definitely grew up with them, like in my school lunches and stuff. And um, uh, yeah, I think my my grandmother. Uh, introduced me to Asian style pears when I was yeah maybe in middle school or high school and and I love them I um I very I don't buy them very often because I feel like I'm I'm bad at at finding that window when they're right mm. and when they're mm-hmm. not right I'm mad about it so <laughs> and I know myself I know that I'm gonna like forget it <laughs> mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm going to think about it when I first buy it and it's not ready and then I'm going to forget about it until it's way gone. So yeah. I just don't. I just don't. I'm like, how about some more cherry tomatoes? Let's let's, let's be realistic. <laughs> <laughs> it's a skill. It's a skill for yeah. sure. A pear can mislead you. <laughs> a pear can mislead you. A quote of the episode. Um, well, I guess this brings us to our question. Sure. Pears. What are they? Well, uh, pears are a type of fruit that grows on trees to about palm-sized or so, like a like a good size to fit in your palm, yeah? Mm-hmm. Um, with a very, very thin edible skin. Uh, there are two basic varieties, uh, pears that are rounder and will be crisp and crunchy when they're ripe, and pears that are more elongated uh, with a tapering neck that will be soft and buttery when they're ripe. Both types tend to be shades of gold on the outside and creamy white on the inside, uh, very fragrant, and a lot of, like, perfumey floral or or even musky flavors in addition to the baseline sweetness and brightness. Um, Both tend to be very juicy and can be a little bit grainy or sandy in texture. Uh, They're like, um... (laughs) And I'm so sorry. I'm leaning into it. Uh, They're like a boudoir apple, all right? They're... Mm -hmm. Like maybe a little bit old fashioned, but like sweet and delicate and and perfumed and succulent. I love this. <laughs> I love this. Because as we're gonna discuss, there is also a lot of pear art. And now I'm just seeing like a bedroom scene with the pear. Right. <laughs> like on the chair. The racy pear. <laughs> Oh my gosh! I bet it exists. I bet it already oh, exists. Oh, oh my heck, it does. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm positive. Yes. Oh, um. Well, uh, 
pears mm-hmm. comprise the genus Pyrus, uh, with a few different species delineated. Um, at least four of the firm round types that are also called Asian pears, um, and at least one of the oblong type that are also called uh, European pears. Uh, Although there are lots of varieties within those species, lots and lots. Um, Pears are in the uh, rosaceae or rose family, along with things like plums, uh, quinces, almonds, and yes, apples. Pears do grow on trees. Uh, Those trees will reach about 30 feet in height, near about 10 meters, though farmers will graft the type of fruiting tree that they want onto the type of rootstock uh, uh, for for the sort of growth that they want uh, in terms of um, height and hardiness, stuff like that. It's generally a temperate climate tree. Uh, They will bloom every year with really pretty white flowers with these long filaments in the center, little bits of pink and yellow. um, And the flowers tend to be super fragrant. When they're pollinated, from a different tree, and yes, you need two trees to make it work, they will develop fruit that will grow to the size of like a small, smallish fist, usually. Uh, Their skin can be smooth or rough and will be green when they're immature in any shade from green to gold to to tan or brownish or, or even blushed when they are mature. And they can brown super quickly when they're overripe. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> There are some species of pear that will flower but do not bear edible fruit, uh, like the Bradford pear, which are generally bad for several reasons and should be removed from from nature. They should they, we should just we should get them out of there. Like they they do not serve a use. Uh, they they in fact will uh, they're structurally unsound. The Bradford pear in particular um, and. They will cross-pollinate with, like, a lot of other trees and just muck up the genetics of everything involved. Also, they smell bad. Um, so, strong Thank opinions. You. Strong Have opinions about alert. Bradford. <laughs> Many people, most gar- most gardeners do. Like, oh. like one of the, like, one of the, like, 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 gardening tricks, um, if you want to find out if a gardening center near you is of an appropriate quality, uh, you can go and be like, oh, hey, do you have any Bradford pears? And if they say yes, just leave. <laughs> wow okay <laughs> good tip all right which which seems rude to me but <laughs> but i've seen this suggested <laughs> well good day <laughs> i'll take my leave <laughs> you can leave politely <laughs> yeah 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 you, you, right you don't have to like bite your thumb at them on your way out i suppose <laughs> Mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, anyway, uh, we're, we're ostensibly a food show. Um, mm-hmm. Pears are often eaten fresh, alone, or in sweet or savory dishes, uh, sliced into salads, baked into pies or quick breads, uh, poached or roasted. Uh, the oblong and soft types of pears are picked and typically sold when they're mature but still unripe. Meaning, uh-huh, as we were talking about earlier, you've got to let them ripen before you eat them. And I am not the only human who has trouble with this. Uh, knowing when they are good to go can be tricky for other humans as well. Um, but for most varieties, if you apply a gentle pressure to the neck of the fruit, uh, uh, it'll give a little when it's ready to eat. Okay. Yeah. Don't, like, squish it, but just <laughs> kind of boop it. Yeah. All right. Yeah. All right. Solid boop. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, and you can pop a pear in the fridge to either put that off or uh, or hold them there once they arrive. Yeah. 
Pears are also preserved by drying or canning. When they're canned, they tend to be really soft because they're they're cooked, basically, during the production process. They can also be pureed and made into a sauce or a spread like pear butter or preserves or jam. Um, they've got a bunch of pectins, so they lend themselves to that kind of thing. They can also be juiced and or pureed and made into cider, alcoholic or non. Um, Perry is a specific type of pear cider. That's going to need to be a whole other episode. Indeed. I mm-hmm. started and then stopped. I was like, nope. Yep. <laughs> Not today, Perry. Uh, also used to produce wines and uh, brandy. And some varieties of pear brandy feature a whole pear inside the bottle. I don't know if you've wow. seen this, but no. it, it, it looks sort of like a ship in a bottle because it seems just impossible that it could have mm-hmm. pos- that it could have gotten there. Um, and the way that they get the pear in the bottle is by literally growing it in the bottle. Oh. Uh, like when the fruit just begins developing from a pollinated flower, they stick a bottle on the tip of the branch and tie it in place. Wow. <laughs> I love this. That's cool. <laughs> That's pretty cool. Also, whole other episode. <laughs> yes. I can't wait for that one. Mm-hmm. Um, well, what about the nutrition? By itself, a pear is like a little on the sugary side, but pretty good for you. You know, lots of fiber, lots of micronutrients. So it will help fill you up like a little bit, but has no fat or protein to speak of. So pair it with those to keep you going. Um, and they do contain a lot of fermentable fructose uh, sugars. So maybe avoid them if you're looking to lower your um, food maps, FOD maps. I never know how to say it. Me either. Yeah. Mm -hmm. That thing. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, that thing. Um, Well, we do have some pair numbers for you. We do. Um, There are around 3,000 recognized varieties of pears around the world. A lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. A lot of pears. <laughs> uh, also a lot of pears. Something like 27 million tons are produced every year. Whoa. Whoa. <laughs> okay. <laughs> yeah. As of 2014, they were the fifth most widely produced fruit in the world overall. And the the Asian variety specifically were the ninth most produced I guess. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Um, As of 2022, China and the United States uh, grow the most, followed by Argentina and South Africa. Uh, In the U.S., uh, the the Pacific Northwest is kind of the growing center. And uh, there are a number of yearly pear fairs there. Yes. Yes. (laughs) Yes. (laughs) Um, One in Medford, Oregon, involves a golf tournament and a cornhole tournament both. Thank mm-hmm. you. Um, <laughs> it has been running every April since 1954. Wow. Yeah. Listeners, please write in, as always. Oh, <laughs> please. Pictures. Yes. Yes. I need to know about this. Okay. Mm-hmm. Um, pear production in that region is uh, shifting, though, from uh, mostly producing for canning to mostly producing for selling fresh. Um, As of 2001, it was like 75% canned to 25% fresh. And as of 2018, it was 48% canned to 52% fresh. Yeah. Mm -hmm. And one more number here. It's not strictly about pears, but I found it way too interesting to let it pass by. Um, Apparently, oh, oh, that was a pun. Oh, oh, I'm sorry. Okay. Uh, uh, In just assume that I meant every single pun in this episode except for that one. (laughs) That one slipped by me. Okay. Uh Uh, 
Um, in the mid to late 1900s, grocery stores might have devoted 20 to 25 feet of shelf space to canned fruits. Whoa. Um, these days, it's more, more like like three to five feet. Yeah. <laughs> That's quite a shift. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And tw- 20 feet is, is what, like like a six, six meters? Yeah. So it's like, like six meters to like one meter. Yeah. Wow. Mm. Times anyway. they are a changing. <laughs> they, they are. They are. Indeed. Uh, well, I have some pair pop culture notes, although, <laughs> okay. as mentioned, I had to make some executive decisions here. Um, there are going to be a few more throughout the history section, but uh, I just want to include these because yeah. I always am kind of like, where did you know this saying come from? Uh, apparently, there's a saying in Spain, esto es la pera, or this is the pear, referring to an amazing experience. <laughs> That's uh, so good. I know, right? Isn't that excellent? This is really the pair. Yes. <laughs> Listeners, again, uh, please write yeah. in. Uh, but then on the other hand, you have something uh, being pear-shaped, which is usually denoting something that went wrong. Right. I found a whole thing from the USDA about this. I didn't have the energy to go into it. But anyway. Um. <laughs> <laughs> um, this, is a, this is a Britishism, mostly. Uh, and I also kind of went on a dive into it. And there's a lot of argument about where it comes from. But it seems mm-hmm. to have really developed in the 1990s as a phrase, which is a lot newer than I thought. Me too. Yeah. Oh, huh. um, but yeah, apparently going pear-shaped wasn't really in the written record until right around the 1990s. Anyway, wow. yeah. Uh, <laughs> um, pear-shaped can also, of course, uh, talk about the cut of a gemstone, um, which means like a teardrop shape, um, or can refer to a body type, uh, which means, yeah, like thicker at the bottom. Mm-hmm. It's, I mean, pears got a lot going on. Uh, when it comes to the idioms yeah. <laughs> department and the, what it can refer to, all kinds of things. And just to illustrate the point Lauren and I have been making, that people are really <laughs> into pairs, uh-huh. I want to include this quite dramatic quote, in my opinion, um, from the Hort Purdue document on pairs, which was very helpful to this Oh, sure. Um, they're also usually like, like the the. Purdue's horticulture department is a great resource. Um, they they are frequently very dry in their yes. reportings of things, but there is this paper that they have published on pears that is full of history and culture notes. And yeah, just like I I looked it up and like like the author wasn't quoting someone. They were just saying this about pears unto themselves. Yes. I and too I love was it. like, this is not my normal. <laughs> Port Purdue document that I'm used to. Yeah. So (laughs) fun. Okay, all right, all right, all right. Please, please get this with this, Annie. Yes. As the opera lover yearns to witness, but seldom, if ever, experiences the ultimate synthesis of music and drama, so the pear connoisseur strives to obtain, but seldom gets to consume, the perfect fruit at its optimum state of maturity and stage of ripeness to produce the perfect proportion of texture, flavor, acidity, and sweetness. It's beautiful. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's about pears. <laughs> Comparing pears to the opera. Yes. Ah. The unobtainable. No. Perfect pear. <laughs> perfect opera. Or perfect oh my pear. gosh. 
I love it. All that right, is fantastic. well, there we are. There we are. <laughs> but how did we get to here? Ah, oh. there is so much history. There is, and we will get into it. But first, we're going to take a quick break for a word from our sponsor. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Oh, hi, I'm Rachel Zoe, and I'm back for another season of my podcast, Climbing in Heels. You might know me from the Rachel Zoe Project or perhaps from my work as a celebrity stylist. And guess what? I'm still just as fully obsessed with all things fashion, beauty, and business. My podcast, Climbing in Heels, is all about celebrating the stories of extraordinary women, and this season, we're taking things up a notch. I'll be talking to some incredible women across so many industries, from models and beauty industry stars to doctors, entrepreneurs, and TV personalities. Climbing in Heels is here to bring you a weekly dose of glamour, inspiration, and fun. Every week, listeners will be able to ask me any questions. I'm answering it all. My life is absolutely crazy with so much going on, and I'm so beyond excited to bring you along for the ride. Whether we're talking red carpet looks, current trends, or products I'm obsessed with, I'm here to be your fashion fairy godmother. Listen to Climbing in Heels every Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. So, 
Okay. Um, <laughs> pears, pears are thousands of years old. Um, and there are several different places they may have originated from. Also, you know, some the varieties come into play here, oh, too. sure. Yeah. Uh, some speculate that pears originally are from Southeastern Europe, while others say they're originally from Asia. Um, there are about 20 species in the genus Pyrus. Um, I don't know. A lot of different conflicting <laughs> numbers about that. And these varieties are thought to be from a wide swath of land from Europe, North Africa, Asia Minor, and Asia. Yeah, it's uh, it seems to be at least two starting points, but people like to argue about it. They also like to argue about that number of species. Uh, I, I read somewhere like like 75 to 80 species in Pyrus, including some recognized hybrids. And the, the article that I read this in noted that, like, taxonomists enjoy arguing about this. <laughs> so, <laughs> of course. <laughs> anyway, um, the genus started branching off from other Rosaceae relatives, like, 25 million years ago or more. Um, but, right, the types that we know today are from the past couple thousand years and are the result of a lot of evolution and also human intervention. Yes, uh, because wherever they're from, huh. pears have a long history of people enjoying them. Um, really, really enjoying them. Mm -hmm. Records suggest that pears were present in China going back as far as 5000 BCE when a Chinese diplomat shirked his responsibilities in favor of grafting numerous crops, including pears. Huh. Uh, so huh. he was basically like, I'd rather be doing this thing <laughs> with the pear. I'm sorry. Um Pears showed up in China's written record over 1,200 years ago. And in the early days, um, it seems uh, it was viewed as a luxury or something enjoyed by royalty. Mm -hmm. It was very uh, favored for its sweetness and its texture. Um, a 6th century book chronicles the history of growing pears in China over the preceding 1,500 years. The seed of the pear was present in Japan by about 200 to 300 CE, but the pear didn't show up in the written record until about 720. Um, it was probably around and kicking before that, though. Yeah. Uh, and according to some of these same sources, the pear has a long history of being associated with things like fertility, longevity, purity, wisdom, and nobility in places like Korea and China. Again, please write in. I couldn't remember. I think oh, we yeah. talked about this a little bit in our Lunar New Year episode. Yeah, but, uh, pears are one of the unlucky foods to gift around the Lunar New Year because of the um, the the homonym that is oh. the 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 word pear and the word um, hmm, I, I think separate or move apart or something oh. something like that something that was so strikingly close to the homonym that it is in English that I was like oh huh how wacky yeah, yeah. anyway yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, again listeners write in. Um, uh, if we look at Europe, the European pear goes back to prehistoric times there, and dried slices dating back to the Ice Age were discovered in some Swiss caves, which I love. <laughs> dried slices of pears. Uh -huh. Yeah. Uh, the ancient Greeks and Romans favored pears. They used them in syrups, desserts, wines. In fact, Homer described them as a, quote, gift from the gods in what is one of the very first known written instances of this fruit. Mm -hmm. Um Several of our ancient agriculturalists, herbalists, doctors, philosophers, a lot of them, multiple of those hats, uh, wrote about them, including Pliny, who was a big fan 
And he wrote about their many purported medicinal purposes, specifically boiled pears, because it's kind of funny. He has a whole thing about, like, don't eat a fresh pear. That's not good for you. You don't want that. But you boil them. Mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. Sure, sure, sure. Uh, the Romans developed somewhere around 50 varieties and planted them across Europe. And because they were so prized and their shelf life was pretty decent, which I was kind of like raised my eyebrow, but okay, I guess so. Um, They traveled along many ancient trade routes. Charlemagne established the first known collection of pears in France sometime in the ninth century, though they were probably pretty common in the country before then. And like, we could have done a whole episode just on the history of pears in France, to be honest. It, Oh, yeah. Oh, easy. Uh-huh. People <laughs> loved them. They loved them. Uh, pears show up quite a bit in religious text and art from around this time. As we've discussed with practically every fruit episode, and I think some that weren't even fruits, <laughs> um, <laughs> yeah. the forbidden fruit in the Garden of Eden wasn't explicitly named. And some argue it may have been a pear instead of an apple. It served as a symbol of sinful temptation in Augustine's 300 to 400 CE work, Confessions or Testimony. And that's a, the title differs depending on the translation. Hmm. Um, Augustine was an influential religious figure. And in this work, one of his most well-known works, by the way, he pontificates about how he stole pears in his youth. Like, about half of this work is about this. <laughs> okay. Um, huh. And it ultimately compares that event in his life to the story of Adam and Eve. Um, <laughs> at the same time, the pear is often used to represent Christ's love for humanity. So again, it's like all these different things the pear has been used to symbolize. Yeah throughout throughout history. Pears were depicted in art found at Pompeii. Also of note, pears were considered sacred to the Egyptian goddess Isis. Uh, but that was not the extent of their role in culture at all. Oh, no. Oh, no. no. Pears were so beloved, they were frequently depicted in European art during the Renaissance, including the famous work by Giovanni Bellini, Madonna of the Pear, Leonardo da Vinci, who loved collecting all kinds of stories and just things. Like, he liked finding good puns and metaphors. He would collect them. (laughs) Somewhere in the 14 to 1500s, he collected this story about the pear, which I would like to include. Okay. All right. Yeah. The laurel and the myrtle, on seeing the pear tree being cut down, cried out in a loud voice, Oh, pear tree, where are you going? Where is the pride that you had when you were laden with ripe fruit? Now you will no longer make shade for us with your thick foliage. The pear tree replied, I am going with a husbandman who is cutting me down and who will take me to the workshop of a good sculptor, who by his art will cause me to assume the form of the god Jove, and I shall be dedicated in a temple and worshipped by men in the place of Jove, while you are obliged to remain always maimed and stripped of your branches, while men shall set around me in order to do me honor. Wow. Some shade from the pear tree. Yeah, the pear tree was not done throwing shade. I know, right? All right. My, my, my. (laughs) Um, And yeah, they do indeed show up in a lot of rhymes, puzzles, lyrics, puns, musical compositions about pears, political metaphors, all kinds of things from this time. There's even like this really long and interesting history I found about kind of a word puzzle about pears that's just existed for so long and no one knows quite what it means or where it comes from. <laughs> that's fascinating. Okay. Um, but I did want to 
include the specific case of the pair being used as a political metaphor from the 1800s. Um, so they were these three French caricaturists, and they used the pair to represent King Louis-Philippe. And this pair worked on a whole host of levels. Okay. All right, so for instance, they used his initials, LP, to denote la poire, or the pair, and depicted him with a pear for a head. Okay. Which was slang for simpleton in France at the <laughs> huh. time. Okay. Um, the fact that the pear was a fruit that would rot was used to represent his corruption. And the somewhat phallic nature of the fruit was used to elicit more mockery at his expense. Oh. <laughs> mm-hmm. Eventually, two of the caricaturists were fined and imprisoned for hurting the dignity of the king. Uh, wow. The one tried to make the argument, unsuccessfully, but I love the attempt, that the <laughs> king did resemble a pear and they must jail all pears if they were so mad about it. <laughs> <laughs> I love it. Wow. I love it. Okay. Um, go ahead and jail all the pears if you're so <laughs> mad that I'm pointing out that, oh, that's so good. But in French, so it sounds like extra. Yeah. Yes. Extra, extra. Exactly. Love it. Exactly. Where is right. that movie? Um, anyway. <laughs> <laughs> According to John Gerard's 1597 Herbal, I always say Herbal and I'm not sure if that's what it is. Herbal. Herbal. Sure. Uh, pears were common in England by that time. One famous Englishman wasn't a fan, though. Shakespeare. <laughs> Shakespeare <laughs> mentioned pears four times in his works, and every mention was not favorable towards the pear. And here's my favorite one from All's Well That Ends Well. Your virginity, your old virginity, is like one of our French withered pears. It looks ill. It eats dryly. Mary, tis a weathered pear. It was formerly better. Mary, yet tis a withered pear. Wow. <laughs> withered pear. A <laughs> withered <me>. pear. Pardon <laughs> no, me, <thank> Shakespeare. <laughs> right? Jeez. A lot, of, a lot of shit going on in this one. <laughs> um, so, uh, pears exploded in popularity in France in the 16th century with 16 recorded varieties being grown there, though I saw much higher numbers, like up in the 200s, <laughs> higher uh-huh. numbers yeah. of pears at that time. They were frequently used in dessert preparations. And I found, like I said, we could do a whole episode on just this. There was so much information about what was going on with the pear in France uh-huh. at this time and yeah. all of the dishes they made with it. Oh, my goodness. But not today, not today. Uh, <laughs> the 17th century saw another sweeping growth of pear tree cultivation and popularity in Europe, as showcased by its inclusion in the 18th century song, The Twelve Days of Christmas, huh. which I totally have never really kind of thought about why it's in there. Yeah, no, a partridge <laughs> in a pear tree, sure, okay. Exactly. Uh, well-off English folks wanted a different type of pear for every season. I think it was called succession. Like you had to have one for the winter, one for like spring. And this was uh, this whole thing. Um, <laughs> they were also used to make uh, ciders and wines. At this yeah. Time. Yeah. By the Victorian era in England uh, into the 19th century, um, estate gardens were growing like 50 to 100 different types of pears each. Uh and so, right, they would mature, like, like throughout the summer and then ripen either on the tree or in storage in succession across a period of months. Uh, and apparently, fresh fruit was really posh 
during this time. And fancy tables would serve just fresh fruit for dessert to, like, really showcase their gardens. Um, (laughs) Mm -hmm. Yeah. And this is not the only place where that kind of thing was happening. No. At the same time in Japan, more than 150 cultivars were recorded. And according to a few sources I read, people might put pears on corners to ward off evil spirits. And I read so much about this, too. Listeners, again, write in. Yeah. Specific corner. It it was very, very fascinating. But I would love if anybody has more information, personal experience. Sure, yeah. During the 18th and 19th century in what is now Belgium, over 1,000 named varieties of pears were being grown. Hoofda. I know. <laughs> um, America's first recorded pear tree was planted in 1620, and many Europeans were growing them here by the 1700s. However, the crop faced several blights that made it difficult to sustain widespread cultivation. Yeah. Also, early crops in America were planted from seeds. uh, And as with apples, and the similar thing happened with apples, uh, you can see our apple episode about that, pear seeds will not grow trees that bear the exact same kind of fruit as their parents. So this wound up on the good side, introducing a lot of genetic variation in in American pears. uh, But it was a little tricky getting varieties that people wanted at first. Uh, Eventually, grafts made it over from Europe. They did flourish in the climate of the Pacific Northwest when planted there in the 1800s, specifically Washington and Oregon. Mm -hmm. Uh, Pear tree cultivation only increased in the area after the discovery of new irrigation techniques. A random fact I found in one of my, in that Hort Purdue document, (laughs) uh, accused axe murderer Lizzie Borden used pears as an alibi in the 19th century she claimed she'd been eating pears while her father was being murdered. Like, she had one in the morning, she found three, and was enjoying them when all of this was going down. Okay. I could alibi. not possibly have done it. I was busy eating pears. Yeah. <laughs> Who can resist the pears? <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, Oregon-based company Harry and Davids debuted their mail-order pears in the 1930s. Uh, and pears are Oregon State fruit. Uh, I saw a lot of very... Proud uh, articles from like governments huh, or, or yeah. just publications out of Oregon where they're very proud and fond of the pear. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And why not? Why not? Uh, in the 1949 film Gentlemen Prefer Blondes, which is based on the 1925 <laughs> novel, yes, this is in the pear episode, many <laughs> were introduced to the lyric Men grow cold as girls grow old. And we all lose our charms in the end, but square cut or pear shape, these rocks don't lose their shape. Diamonds are our girl's best friend. Yeah. It's hard not to sing it. It's hard I not to sing it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if you're as completely enamored with Moulin Rouge as yes. I am. Uh, the, that's the what film. I love first yeah, too. sure. Yeah. Um, but uh I oh goodness. I did try looking into the history of uh the pear-shaped diamond and uh Lore has it, I couldn't find any academic sources on a very brief Google search, but lore has it that this shape was, uh, actually goes back to like the the 1400s, like the mid to late 1400s from one of the original inventors of like gem cutting technology. Um, But who knows? I don't. (laughs) I don't. Mm -hmm. Um, I I can tell you that um, in the mid-1900s, pears were a very popular canned fruit and still are in 
especially in institutions like schools and prisons where there is uh, a need or a desire to provide inexpensive and shelf-stable fruit options. During the 1980s and 1990s, China really stepped up their production, and they now produce way more pears than everybody else in the world combined. Mm-hmm. And uh, still speaking about canned pears, there, there's been a loss of interest in canned fruit in general from the general public. Um, and also but between that and competition from Chinese imports now has some Pacific Northwest pear canning plants shutting down entirely these days. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And again, we've got a lot of homework assignments for you listeners in this one, but <laughs> yeah. anybody from the area gives a lowdown on this pear festival, but also just what's going on with just the pears. The vibe. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it's the vibe. Pear vibe. The pear vibe check, please. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's so much we could have covered and included, but we had to draw the line somewhere. So I think we this did. is about what we have to say about the pair for now. It is. Uh, We do have some listener mail for you, though, and we are going to get into that as soon as we get back from one more quick break for a word from our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com. I'm preaching to somebody today who is waiting for God to give you your next step. And you don't know what it is yet. You need God to show you your next step. Because God, I can't stay where I am like I am where it is. This isn't going to work. I I have to move on, but I don't know where. A lot of time you'll use it as an excuse. Well, I don't know how. I don't know where. I don't know what. God, if you show me. God, if you tell me. God, no, 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 no. You know enough right now. And if you needed to know more, he would show you. Hey, this is Stephen Furtick. I want to invite you to listen to my podcast, Elevation with Stephen Furtick. I am here to help you for the battles that you face in life, for the times when you feel discouraged, for the times that you need guidance from God. I want to give you the truth of what he says about you to help you rise to your full potential. Listen to Elevation with Stephen Furtick every Sunday and Friday on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your host of TMI. New year, new name, new energy, but... Same old us. <laughs> oh, yeah. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. But that's not all. We will also have special guests to add their thoughts on the topics, as well as break down different political issues with local activists in their community. If you like to be informed and to expand your thoughts, listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. 
I used to have so many men. How this beguiling woman in her 50s. She looked like a million bucks. With zero qualifications. She had a Harvard plaque. Tricks her way past a wall of lawyers and agents. She's got all of these Maseratis and Bentleys all in the driveway. Is it like a mansion? Yes, it's a mansion. That this queen of the con uses to scam some of the biggest names in professional sports out of untold fortunes. About six million. Approximately $11 million. Nearly $10 million was all gone employing whatever means necessary to bleed her victims dry. She would probably have sex with one of her clients. Hide your money in your old rich men, because <laughs> she is on the prowl. Listen to Queen of the Con, Season 5, The Athlete Whisperer, on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. And we're back. Thank you, sponsor. Yes, thank you. And we're back with Opera. I could never do it. Operatic. (laughs) I am pretty sure that what we just did was not operatic. (laughs) Fair point. (laughs) True enough. (laughs) It's probably for the best. Uh, Yeah. Mm -hmm. Uh, I think we shouldn't quit our day jobs. Um, But yes. Uh, okay, so a lot of you have written in about dill and pickles, and it's been Ooh, fantastic. Yes. So, um, Joe wrote, your episode on dill reminded me of a relative, not blood-related, but family nonetheless. Okay. This aunt of mine was a pillar in our community, and I have many fond memories of all the parties she hosted at her home. I was quite a picky eater as a kid, the whore. And one of the <laughs> things I could always eat at her house were dill oyster crackers. I could and would eat them by the handful until the snack bowl was empty. They were salty, savory, and delicious. After much begging, she finally gave me the recipe when I was in high school, and it follows. Take two bags of oyster crackers and empty them into a large brown paper bag. Add one packet of dry ranch seasoning, a teaspoon or two of dry dill, and a few glugs of olive oil. Fold the bag closed and give everything a good shake to distribute the flavoring. Enjoy. Side note, I wonder how this would taste with fresh dill. Time to experiment. Thanks for bringing back these memories of my aunt. She passed away a few years ago, but alongside the recipe, I have also inherited her cookbook collection. Cookbooks that she would buy as souvenirs of her travels abroad. I'll have to pick one out and cook a recipe soon as a tribute to her. Oh. I love that. I love uh, that. That is the most amazing type of travel souvenir I've ever heard of. I love that. Yes, yes. And I love just picking out a recipe and paying tribute because I do every time I look at like my grandmother's cookbooks or something, there's just, especially if it's got like a little note or some flower and it's like the corners folded (laughs) down, you can just think of them looking through this and feel that connection with them. Sure. Now I'm here and I'm doing it. I love it. I think that's great. Uh, Also, that recipe sounds delicious for the dill oyster crackers. Yeah. I'm going like, I don't have... Any of those things handy. <laughs> <laughs> but we could get them. <laughs> uh, yeah. Oh, heck. Okay. Mm-hmm. All right. Mm. Uh, Sabina? So, Sabine? I'm not totally sure how to pronounce it. Let me know how I'm messing it up. Uh, Yes, they wrote, I just listened to your episode about dill, and in the beginning you spoke about this big German tradition of hiding pickles in the Christmas tree, except 
there is no such tradition. Or is there? I, I heard about it the first time when I was way into my marriage with an American, uh, when American relatives bought me one as a gift, and I just stared at them, uh, questioning myself how I could ask them politely why on earth I should put a cucumber in my tree, or why on earth I should hide it. Oh, these Americans. Um, I heard about this so-called old German tradition every now and then, but only today researched it. So, there is a region in Germany called, oh, I, I looked this up and I'm still not sure, uh, Thuringia? Thuringen? I got two very different pronunciations <laughs> from mm-hmm. Merriam-Webster. <laughs> uh, but, uh, yes, there's a region uh, continuing. It is basically in the middle of no of Germany. Um, and they have a tradition of glass blowing. And now the legends start. Uh, One says that a German-American soldier who fought in the American Revolution got captured and so sick that everyone feared he would die. His uh, last wish was for a pickle. Uh, And that gave him so much strength that he recovered. Out of sheer thankfulness, he put a pickle every year in his Christmas tree. The one who found it had luck the next year. Another legend says, in the 17th century, a lot of people were so poor that they didn't have the money to put ornaments in the Christmas tree, so they put things in it that they could eat. Uh, Apples, cookies, and in this area, apparently pickles, because they had a long tradition there. Um, In the 19th century, a glassblower made them as glass ornaments and sold them in this region. However, it is safe to say that pickles in the Christmas tree may be an old tradition of one special slightly ignored region of Germany until the Americans brought it back to us. By the way, um, our Gurkha is uh, still in our tree every year, just because it came from relatives, and when we see it in said tree, we think about them. Yeah. (laughs) I love that. And now, when I am putting this ornament up, or my little brother, because it's his ornament, this Uh year, I will tell him all of these tales. Because Uh. that's what it's like knowing me. (laughs) (laughs) Fun times, fun stories all around. <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. No, I, font, fonts of information. So yes. either fun or insufferable at parties, depending on what kind of parties you enjoy. <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> but I love this. Thank you for, for yes. digging into it and sharing with us. Um, yes. Mm-hmm. And uh, thanks to both of you for writing. If you would like to write to us, listeners, you can. Our email is hello at saverpod.com. We are also on social media. You can find us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at SaverPod, and we do hope to hear from you. Saver is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, you can visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows. Thanks, as always, to our super producers, Dylan Fagan and Andrew Howard. Thanks to you for listening, and we hope that lots more good things are coming your way. This episode is brought to you by Pronamel. Not all our favorite foods and drinks are BFFs with our teeth. Salad dressing, seltzers, and fruits can be enamel enemies. So if you eat or drink those things regularly, your enamel could be at risk. And once it's gone, it's gone. Pronamel Intensive Enamel Repair penetrates deep into the enamel surface, locking in vital minerals to repair acid-weakened enamel. And with new Pronamel Repair mouthwash, you can enhance that repair beyond just brushing. Pronamel is the number one dentist-recommended brand for acid erosion, so buy Pronamel Repair anywhere you buy toothpaste or mouthwash. Visit Pronamel.com.
Life in our modern age comes at you pretty fast, which makes our time away especially valuable. When I take time to relax, I like to get far from my everyday life, immerse myself in natural beauty, and have unique experiences. But you don't have to leave the U.S. to experience tropical rainforests and islands filled with adventure, warm culture, and national treasures. Visit Puerto Rico, an island with a vibrant spirit that will sweep you away. Because when you visit, you don't become part of the island, it becomes part of you. In Puerto Rico, you can forget where you came from and embrace where you are. Puerto Rico, where visits end, but stories last forever. No passport required for U.S. citizens and permanent residents. Learn more and plan your trip at discoverpuertorico.com. I'm Tamika D. Mallory. And it's your boy, my son, the general. And we are your hosts of TMI. And catch us every Wednesday on the Black Effect Network, breaking down social and civil rights issues, pop culture, and politics in hopes of pushing our culture forward to make the world a better place for generations to come. Listen to TMI on the Black Effect Podcast Network, iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. That's right. I'm Diosa. And I'm Mala. We are the creators of Locatora Radio, a radiophonic novella, which is a fancy way of saying a, a podcast. podcast. Welcome to Locatora Radio Season 9. Love, Love at first, first listen. listen. We're older, we're wiser, and we're podcasting through a new decade of our lives. This season, we're falling in love with podcasting all over again. And getting to the heart of our stories. We're going places we've never gone before, and we're bringing you along with us. With new segments, correspondence, and a brand new sound. Season 9 is kicking off with an intimate interview with Grammy Award-winning singer-songwriter Natalia Laforcade. What's giving you hope right now? Well, when I see See what music does to people. It gives me a lot of hope. If you liked Locatora before, you're going to love Season 9. Subscribe to our show and you'll see why Locatora is your prima's favorite podcast. Listen to Locatora Radio as part of the Michael Cultura Podcast Network, available on the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts.